my uh, distinguished guests, my fellow Americans. This is America's day. This is democracy's day. A day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve. Through a crucible for the ages, America has been tested anew, and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph not of a candidate, but of a cause, the cause of democracy. And welcome to episode 17 of Social Discord, season two premiere, I will add, live from the Capitol, Biden's inauguration and the legacy of Trump. I'm your host, Dale Inter. I'm Kara Tebow. And I'm Curtis Medina. And as I said, uh, I am live from the Capitol right now. Uh, Kara and Curtis are still back at home in Myrtle Beach and Colorado, but I flew to the Capitol to do a little bit of live reporting and see what's going on here in the uh, District of Columbia as we uh, get the inauguration underway. It's so cool. Like, I, like our budget must have went way up. To have- <laughs> yeah, you know, we got some pretty hefty sponsorships, uh, you know, a little private jet. No, no. I, I, I wanted to see what was going on. I figure I won't see it unless I'm here. Um, and uh, It's so cool. It's it's been interesting, you know. I I flew in. Um, I had a like a ten hour layover in Miami that was brutal. Um, got here at like eleven thirty last night. Got up bright and early to uh, go into the district. I'm staying in Arlington, so I uh, took an Uber early this morning over to downtown, and it is eerie. I bet. How's it like? How's it like? Like you're not really it's, getting a sense of that from from most of the media. It's it's very weird, you know. We we look at all the media outlets and they show the pictures of the national guardsmen, all the cages, you know, blocking off streets and barricades and whatnot, but it doesn't give you a sense of really how still everything feels. You know, I, it's kind of in zones. So you go further on, it's like, okay, you know, it's fine. Everything's open. And then you get a little bit closer and it's still kind of the same, but then there's more cops lingering around. There's um, starting to pull over. Um, I noticed actually a lot of like semi trucks and uh, larger like cargo vans were being pulled over. Um, then you get closer and you have to go through a checkpoint and get a little bit closer and you have to go to where your car actually gets searched. And then you get even closer and then vehicles just aren't even allowed. Mm-hmm. And so from there, you get into the Capitol and you, you see the maps of where things are blocked off. They've got all the bridges except for two bridges, uh, which is the Woodrow Wilson Bridge way down south in Alexandria. And then the uh, Francis Scott Key Bridge, which is a little bit north, um, um, actually kind of near where I'm at um, in Arlington. And you look at the map of all the red streets that are blocked off. And what I found is that most of those areas you can still walk and there's still pedestrian traffic. But once you get close to the mall and close to the Capitol, it's just shut down unless you have wow. credentials or, you know, other credentials that let you in. It's a bust. Um, and I know there is the idea that um, at John Marshall park, that was going to be the designated uh, free speech zone. And 
they originally talked about not allowing protests at all. But then the mayor of D.C., um, I think it was, um, you know, they, they decided, no, like we need to allow for something. We can't take away that fundamental right. And so they designated John Marshall Park as the free speech zone. So I booked it there this morning. I walked like three miles to get there from my uh, uh, Uber drop off point. And they're like, no, it's been changed. And I was like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, no, it's actually at the corner of 13th and F. And I'm like, I, I think at that point I was on like 5th Street. I was like, gosh, dang it. Okay. <laughs> and I get walk in and you get there and there is just National Guardsmen, Secret Service, D.C. Police, just everywhere. They're did, all it over feel, did it feel peaceful, Dalen, or was there like a lot of tension in the air? There, there wasn't tension at all, at least that I don't, everything's just still, I mean, there are like, I see people walking their dogs, like, but there was no one out, but it was just so quiet. I mean, like, it's still an active city too. I mean, it, it's and it one is. of the things that like, you have to always keep in mind about Washington DC that, you know, I mean, it's a thriving, active, you mm-hmm. know, progressive city <laughs> that, you know, that has lots of going on all the time. Well, <laughs> And I noticed, you know, I'm walking through, so I'm walking from that point to get to uh, 13 and a half, the intersection, and every single person I passed, I'm, I can guarantee was a journalist. Like, everyone there is a journalist. <laughs> like, I don't think there were any actual, like, citizens or protesters there. Um, Did you see a single, like, Trump hat or flag or anything? I didn't, I didn't see anything. The only thing I saw were, it was a small group of people with uh, Biden Harris hats. But I guess all the Trump people are like protested out. (laughs) (laughs) And I know they saw, and I can't remember the article, but they, the protest, the groups that were permitted to protest in the free speech zone were two leftist groups. Mm. they didn't say who they were they said they have protested in dc before but i don't i don't even i don't think they were going to even mess around with allowing a uh right-wing group in the area you know i I visited um washington dc almost exactly a year ago today and uh and one of the things that i discovered was that the city kind of almost like a convention kind of just changes banners and becomes a whole different thing <laughs> like does. overnight, you know, like I happened to by complete coincidence be there um, during one of the most uh, right wing weeks that, that they have in Washington, mm-hmm. DC. Um, it was the um, anti-abortion March, a March for our life or something like that. Right. Um, and and they, they do it every year. Um, it was especially big uh, last year because Trump, spoke at it and he was the first sitting president to ever speak at it so they were really riled up about that um so by complete coincidence i ended up being there at the same time and it was interesting because i know that like washington dc is the people who actually live there are extremely left i mean it's like the most left city in yes very much so the country just because of the makeup of the people that live there um but on this weekend, the the city felt extremely right. It was just really weird. You could tell it was like this, like like it kind of just had changed overnight to become accommodating to a completely different type mm-hmm. of thinking. And uh, and I feel like that's sort of similar to what you're describing 
and what we saw on the sixth when uh you know the trump people were in there were in town to um to protest and all that that like washington dc tries really hard to be kind of a representative of of both at the same time and oddly most of the time on days that people don't storm capitals most of the time it's done in an extremely peaceful way mm-hmm. um and you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be possible but it it, it totally was mm-hmm. no it, it is really funny like walking around and i'm i'm like i said right now i'm out in arlington um and you know, you said earlier, like, it's still, like, it's it's a functioning city still. Like, people still have to do their thing. And so it's it's weird how literally the swearing in of the president is happening, like, at this moment or happened a little bit ago. And I think Biden's still in the middle of his uh, um, inaugural address. But it's like people just, it's just not even, it's so nonchalant. It's such a weird feeling. And I've noticed, too that really there are, there's no, there's no political signs anywhere. There's no anything. And so it's, you know, if I didn't know it was inauguration day, I wouldn't know it was inauguration day. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a strange feeling. I don't know about you guys, but I, I had this feeling of kind of holding my breath for the last week or so, um, mm-hmm. especially. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that that's the other thing I was thinking of when Daylin was describing like the kind of eerie silence. It's it's almost like like I keep making comparisons to September 11th. Um mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember it. I don't I think you guys remember it a little bit more, but more you guys were definitely younger. Yeah, um, yeah I was but a chitlin. I yeah, was but, third grade, I think. What grade? Third grade. Third grade. Um I was in um ninth ninth grade is my first year of high school wow yeah (laughs) weird time to be in high school Um, (laughs) i was like do you guys always stop for the whole day and watch tv (laughs) (laughs) um no but uh like i but i you know i keep kind of comparing it to that and i think you know if there's a conservative listening right now they're probably thinking i'm being overly dramatic um you know they're thinking it wasn't really that bad or something like that but but the feeling in the country, just like on September 11th, when the day the day the Capitol was stormed, everyone stopped what they were doing. They focused on one thing, and there was kind of a, 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 a an epiphany moment for a lot of people that this cannot keep going further mm-hmm. and keep ourselves above water. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I think... I think in general, the whole week, I've been just anticipating anything, whether that be good or bad, but I'm really pleased today, so far, the day is just beginning, but so far, how normal things seem. I got really emotional watching, you know, the the pre-inauguration, everyone's walking in, all the former presidents. It made me really emotional this morning because I'm like, wow, we haven't seen this like normal level of civility in a long time. And it was really refreshing to see all these different people coming together. And it really felt like democracy was being restored. And um, mm-hmm. that's pretty emotional after a week of, of waiting for bad things to happen. Well, and Trump is like the king of the soundbite, um, you know, so yes. like, like it, it works in some cases, but it also is like really 
kind of gross and inappropriate in a lot of other cases. You know, I mean, he'll be, you know, it'll be like, like just a, a sh- what should be an easy, nonchalant speech, and he'll, you know, insert in ten different sound bites of his like kind of vile opinion on something out of completely nowhere, just in hopes that it'll be covered because he knows how to work the, you know, the the press. Basically, <laughs> he knows right, that if it's something ridiculous, it you know suddenly it's not the Boy Scouts of America, or, you know, meeting. It's the you know the story is Trump said this or whatever about democracy mm-hmm. or whatever it was, you know? So, yeah. So I totally agree with Kara with that. Like, I mean, it's just, it's nice to keep on point for more than five minutes yeah. <laughs> without like, having to well, go to something partisan. You know, it's been the, obviously inauguration and it's very different this year because of what happened on January 6th, as well as uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So there's really, I mean, there's not an audience. It's pretty much just the people running and the people involved, the press, and then I guess whatever, maybe a few audience members there are. Um, and then otherwise it's being uh, run virtually. And I know there was the, you know, a lot of people were throwing around after the sixth of, oh, it needs to be done in a, you know, a secret location, a hidden location. And even prior to that with COVID, they're like, oh, well, you know, we should just do, you know, a private you know, virtual showing of the inauguration in the White House, whatever it may be. But I think it's it's very important that they did a true blue inauguration, at least to the extent that they are today, because it shows, especially after the 6th and after the tumultuous transition that we have dealt with, that things are okay. And you know? uh, George... Um... H.W. Bush is that right. Did I get his initials right? George, George, George Bush Senior. George Bush's father. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. George, other yes. other president George, George yeah, Bush. George yeah. W. And then George. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Young George. Okay. So the, I'm talking about the older one. Uh, okay. He uh, he he uh, was quoted as saying that where they do the inauguration is America's front porch, and I thought that was yes. a really oh, wow. quaint thing to to way to look at it and that and that they mentioned that as being important in the decision of of going ahead with the inauguration as per usual rather than doing it in secret um because it's sort of a display of like of inclusion oh yeah it's massively symbolic to be up there after the scenes we saw from the capitol you know just a few days ago really and now we see it today and it's cleaned up people are out there i think it's a massive show of strength and a massive symbol to the nation that says, you know, you can't come trash our capital and expect us not to, you know, be back there the next day ready to do this thing. Mm-hmm. So I really, I'm really glad that they're going ahead with that. Kara, what, what went through your mind? Um, you know, we obviously Biden's slate of performers and hosts at the inauguration are far different and far more diverse than that of Trump's inauguration. And uh, we witnessed Lady Gaga singing the national anthem, <laughs> and, uh, which was it was fantastic. It was it was wonderful. Um, you called I, her our Hunger Games dress. Yeah, she's yes. the awesome day. Oh. I, I will say I do love uh, hearing the guy. You know, and now the national anthem sung by right. Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> like, Way to go, America! <laughs> like, I remember thinking like like because I I thought her dress was a little crazy too, and uh, I remember thinking. Like, wow, 
I'm th- I'm joking and laughing about her dress. I haven't been able to joke or laugh about anything that light in right. four years. <laughs> right. I saw a tweet earlier, and I guess uh, Joe Joe Biden has a President Joe Biden has a Peloton, and the Secret Service yeah. are worried about you know what that means for security. And someone was like, "Finally, we're back to boring scandals like the president of <laughs> the Peloton." The president of a Peloton <laughs> on the fear of being hacked. Yeah, Kara, uh, we saw Lady Gaga sing the national anthem, which was fantastic. She did a wonderful job. She did. Um, And then we saw the swearing in of Vice President Kamala Harris. How did that feel? Oh, you guys, it was so emotional. My girlfriends and I were texting about these things and just, you know, any of us that have daughters in the future or that have, you know, nieces or whatever, um, it's really emotional to know that this is now normal. It's never going to be a first vice president mm-hmm. again. And whether you like her or not, um, I it's just so exciting for women everywhere because I've never seen that. You know, I grew up seeing men talking on screen all the time. And I grew up from a patriarchal, you know, household anyway. And then to see this strong woman up there was made my mascara run a little bit (laughs) for women and for young girls. And um, I'm so glad that they get to grow up in in America where um, it's the norm now. It's now normal to have a a hundred years past 1920 when the um, women first got the vote as well. Like how apropos was that, 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 that happened on that anniversary? No, I know I saw um, there's a trend on the internet where it's like, uh, I guess, TikTok where it's like, you know, what's your favorite political moment? And I watched one, and it was the moment of uh, George uh, W. Bush's, um, I think, uh, State of the Union address. And uh, um, he starts it. He's like, you know, I, I want to say how honored I am to be the first president to be able to say um, Madam Speaker. And that was to Nancy Pelosi at the time. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it, it this moment with Kamala Harris is just very reminiscent of that and just how things can change for the better. You know, like we had an awful, awful 2020. It was it was not good. And for some people, the past four years have not been good. Um, right. And I think to have a moment like this of just pure progression is just such a good sign, especially in the face of the country that was just spat at on January 6th, you know, um, it's, it's a really just incredible thing to see. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's this idea of unity is something that we've been hearing a lot about. And I've actually been also seeing it mocked quite a bit. Um, you know, the same people, um, from the extreme right that, um, you know, said things like "fuck your feelings," um, and you know, I'm voting for reason and things like that um, in support of of Trump and and in um, kind of mocking people who um, were had had this ominous feeling that things were going really wrong in America, mm-hmm. um, but didn't quite know how to express it completely. Um, they they've chosen to sort of mock the idea of unity because they don't they don't get to be in charge if we're unified um that's what happens when extremists get power and then they start losing power 
Mm-hmm. You know, I will say, and I don't ever want to give someone credit for doing the bare minimum, but um, there was something very powerful to me, at least, of seeing um, Mike Pence walk out today yeah. after the inauguration proceedings. Um, it was embarrassing, honestly, not to see Donald Trump out there because that's, you know, something that we pride ourselves on as Americans is being able to have that transition of power and the support. But um Again, I don't want to give him credit for doing what he should be doing, but to see Pence walk out there among the current state of the nation was, I think, really important and I think uh, symbolic in itself. Well, and he's coming from he's coming from the tail end of what America was at the end of the Trump era. So what to a lot of us is the bare minimum actually is a big step. Um, is, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's very hard for them to admit how wrong they may have been, or um, at the very least that America, the country is more important than their candidate. Right. Well, I, I get the sense from Mike Pence and I've, I've never really agreed with, you know, his stances, his policies, some of the things that he's done. But I think something that Mike Pence has continually shown compared and under the shadow of Donald Trump, and you know, I, I'm not sure how consistent this is, but um, within recent weeks and in the past years, um, we've seen them kind of have a little bit of a feud with one another is that I don't think Pence, Mike Pence has the same reliance on his ego and tendency to fight for himself in a narcissistic manner, as we have seen with Donald Trump. Um, You know, like I don't, with the, um, um, the counting of the votes with Trump urging Mike Pence to basically change the vote, you know, kind of discount um, some of the uh, votes selected, uh, slated by the States you know, we saw Donald Trump continually saying, you know, we need to find these votes, you know, I won, you know, we did is whatever, but Mike Pence, you know, he, he's stuck with the law because I, I, like he didn't let his ego get in the way. And I feel like it's kind of the same trend that we've seen with Donald Trump where everything he's ever done was about himself. And I don't think that's entirely true for Mike Pence. I think there was also some element of damage control too, though, because Mike yeah. Pence knows that he's he's got to have a political career after this, assuming he stays in politics, which we can, you know, probably. I have no idea what's going to happen to Mike Pence after this. I have no clue. <laughs> he's trying real hard in the last, especially the last couple of weeks, to distance himself a little bit. Um, what did he even do before? He wasn't he wasn't he on part of uh, Bush's council as well, and. I think so. I could be making I, them up. Someone factor. I know nothing about Pence, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> really, like, I have no idea what he did before. I'm pretty sure he was on some council. but I, uh, think, I think a lot of Republicans were legitimately shocked by the storming of the Capitol. Were, yeah. I think they had a lot of reservations about Trump or maybe even flat out didn't like him um, before that. Uh, they didn't always express those things even though we live in a free country and republicans are usually the first to talk about 
um, you know, liberty and, and, and free speech and a lot of that kind of stuff. But for some reason, they, they, they didn't choose to actually exercise that right that often when they disagreed with him. Um, and there was some damage control. I agree with that. Um, he would, by the way, sorry to interrupt you just real yeah. quick. So we have it on record. Pence was, um, had a pretty long career, but he was in the house of representatives and then he was governor of Indiana until 2017. Uh, okay. I had heard that. Yeah. 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 So just, he does have some, some history in politics, you know? I mean, well, and but the other thing is, is, you know, I think Pence and McConnell and a few of these re- Republicans, like, like they don't have the same agenda as as Trump did. Like no. I think they used the popularity of Trump to get some of their initiatives they wanted to get passed, um, and they felt like the um, ends justified the means. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, things like lower taxes. You know, like then they did that. Uh, things like um, getting, you know, uh, uh, flipping the Supreme Court. You know, a lot of these things were were just getting less and less possible um, for them. So I think they basically kind of just, you know, ate the stuff that they didn't like about Trump and kept pushing forward because it served those basic purposes. And now that Trump is leaving and pretty disgraced at this point, um, I'd say by at least the majority of Americans, Mm -hmm. um, there's not the need to, include him in the conversation anymore and yeah. i'm gonna make the prediction right now and i'm and, you know we might play this in four years or something and and i'll i'll eat my words but i'm gonna <laughs> make the prediction right now that i don't think trump is going to run for president again i don't think um, so um, what do you think? Well, i as we've seen in you know recent months and then especially after january 6th with even people like mitch mcconnell saying the other day that Trump incited that violence. I, I think Trump has pushed himself, whether he meant it or not, so far to the fringe. And he's, he's lost the support of Republican leadership in Congress. Um, and the, the RNC is still trying to continue their grasp on him. But I, I just, I think he's pushed too far to the fringe to really be taken seriously. I mean, hasn't he always been on the fringe, though? I mean, like, like I, I would agree with you with most leaders, but, but one of the things that you know a lot of people liked about Trump was that he was always, he kind of always just said what he meant or whatever. Mm-hmm. He didn't sugarcoat it with being nice or politically savvy or anything like that. Or politically like just, correct, yeah, or correct, or well, and I mean, and to me, not necessarily like politically correct isn't as important, like, but not necessarily. Not that you shouldn't be respectful, but like. Like I, I, I can I can respect somebody. I I guess I would say I'd rather them say it than to hide it. Right. So he definitely did that part. <laughs> but but like, <laughs> but he was. But he. I guess what I'm trying to say is 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 he never made a pretense that he was on anything but the extreme right. Like I mean, to the point of like like any other president would and to get a second term would go more to the middle would say, I'm going to work with Democrats now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring the country. I'm going to, you know, together, I'm going to, you know, under this vision or whatever, whether or not those words were empty or not, they would say that. And Trump didn't, he never did. He, he got more and more extreme after he got um, Mm -hmm. 
impeached the first time um, to the point where he was saying things like uh, the press and Democrats were the enemy of America, uh, enemy of the people. um, And, uh, and that, you know, that Democrats were crazy and we have to stop them. And, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) but, you know, there are red states and there are blue states and he's going to protect the red states. And, and I remember like, like, I just, I, I, I knew he was a, I knew he was a terrible person from the very beginning. (laughs) I didn't, but I was still surprised at every step, how he got worse and worse and worse, not because he got more, more towards the fringe, but because he almost the opposite, more because he never got away from it. And Mm -hmm. I always assumed he would. It's funny, Curtis, because you just talked about how, you know, Trump was very clear about the fact that he was a president for those who supported him. And as you're saying that, I'm watching I have the news on in the background. There's a caption from from Biden's speech that said, uh, I will be a president for all Americans. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really do. I know that there are people that are upset right now. They're hurting right now, just as many of us were um, during Trump swearing in. And I want to acknowledge that. But I hope for those people that there's some comfort and I understand it could just be words for now. You know, Biden needs to put his money where his mouth is yes. but, um, for him to come out right out of the gate and let everyone know. I'm, Hey, look, I'm all of your presidents. I'm part of my job is going to be to unify the nation. Mm-hmm. We've only heard that for the last four years. So I, I take some comfort in that and hopefully others do as well. Yeah, And Kara, so, you know, we see a huge difference in the rhetoric that it expressed from, um, from the very beginning and even prior to, the Trump administration, and now um, through the 2020 campaign and into the Biden inauguration, what do you say to those who still deny Biden's rhetoric? You know, he he talks of democracy, he talks of unity, he talks of working together, um, which are things that we did not hear consistently from Donald Trump. What do you say to those who still deny Biden's rhetoric? I think it's really fair to hold him accountable. Look, even those of us that you know voted for him or or that settled for him, even um, it's okay to hold these people accountable. And so, for those that deny that his rhetoric, or for those that are not convinced yet, that's fair to me. Um, let's you know we put him in office, and now it's time for him to do what he said he was going to do. And I guess we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think probably within the next year or so hopefully we'll see him unifying the country like he said he would. And those people who are still concerned can take some solace in the fact that Joe Biden really is quite moderate uh, for Democrats. So hopefully that bridges that gap that we've got right now, very large gap that we've got right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, Biden is annoyingly moderate actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's kind of boringly perfect for this time period. He is oh. esque in that, in that way. Even more so, though. I mean, you know. Yeah, Clinton was, Clinton wasn't necessarily a, like, he was moderate. Like, that's that was his thing. But he wasn't necessarily a moderate Democrat. He was more of a, a Democrat trying to be moderate to appeal to the Republicans. Biden yeah, is just moderate. <laughs> like, he just is. Like, that That was a big part of the, the 1994 crime bill that, um, Bill Clinton signed was, um, and then a lot of Democrats um, uh, were also a part of, just like Joe Biden was, was it was them trying to convince people on the right that, hey, you know, we can take these strong stances that right, you know, people on the right uh, support and, uh, 
uh, to me with Biden's stance now, it's not necessarily that it's more just, he's just in the middle. Like that's just what he is. Uh, an NBC news poll on uh, January 17th found that um, 43% of voters nationwide still gave Trump a positive job approval rating, um, which is just barely down from 45% who said it, um, the same before the November election. Some of the um, polls have been up and down about this, but one of the things I thought was most interesting was um, that the same poll of 35% it included 74% of Republicans that approved of Trump still, um, but just 30% of independents and 3% of Democrats. Um, so so still a vast majority of Republicans think that Trump was a, a good guy. And, uh, um, and but the biggest drop, um, well, actually, they're all big drops. Um, 20% um, of Republicans changed their mind between that period which was the most significant drop that Trump had in popularity um, in his entire presidency. Cause he was, he was floating at about 95% popularity with Republicans. Um, I think Democrats were about the same, about four or 5%, I think before. So they dropped a couple, but then independence I think was, is a big thing too, because a vast growing number of Americans um, are voting independent or are unaffiliated with um, parties, including myself. And, uh, and it's, it's good to see that, that the trend away from Trump extremism um, has continued among people who don't affiliate with one party or the other. Mm-hmm. I know. I do. I do wonder how how that's going to grow with the idea of unification moving forward. Is you know we the past four years it feels like people have been getting pushed further and further from the left and to the right, and then those who were moderate kind of stayed relatively moderate. So I wonder, you know, what the idea of unity, if those far sides of the spectrum will be pulled closer together and more people will be considered independent or more people will just stay, you know, leaning left, leaning right. You know, it'll be kind of interesting to see in the next election what those numbers really look like. I mean, you're never going to unify the people who are Trump's biggest supporters, um, you know, just, just like you're not never going to unify, you know, say anarchists on the left, um, yeah. you know, behind any president or any, any, any party or whatever. Um, so I, I think it's, I, I mean, while I think unity is important, I also think I've been really trying to push the hashtag never forget because mm-hmm. I think it's also important to make that connection with September 11th and what a tragedy that was and connect it to what has happened in the last four years. Because um, I've been saying this whole time that even if Trump had had my exact political beliefs, I still couldn't have supported him. And I still would have been yeah. horrified by his rhetoric and by by just the, you know, the way he spoke and how little he thought of, of people who disagreed with him, how little he was able to be a deal maker, like he said he mm-hmm. was going to be, um, you know, uh, and I, I, how much we got pushed toward fascism. Um, and I think it's important to never forget that, that we, how close we got to that in America and how we should never let ourselves get that to that place again. Yeah. And that's not necessarily meaning that no Republican should ever win ever. But it does mean that any party that gets this out of line 
needs a major wake-up call, major timeout in the corner, no dinner for you, go right to bed. Like, Mm -hmm. we need a break from extremism in America, and we need to not go any either direction toward that extremism again. Yeah, it's it's exhausting. It's really, really exhausting. It is. Kara, Curtis, what, moving forward into the Biden presidency, what are some things, and Kara, we'll start with you, what are some things that necessarily didn't pan out, um, or maybe just things that were just complete failures within the Trump administration that you are looking forward to in the Biden administration of hopefully being corrected or just the way that they have said they're going to be tackling it. Yeah, I think we're probably all in agreement with this, but the biggest thing currently is COVID, right? We've all been dramatically affected by COVID and I'm looking for some real leadership moving forward. I want to see Americans being taken care of. I want to see um, better stimulus packages. I want to see us being able to move back to normal. The reason it's so difficult to move back to normal is because our numbers won't go down and our numbers won't go down without a more effective vaccine rollout and and better federal laws in place, frankly. So I'm really hoping that Joe Biden can pick up the slack on that. It's it's not too late. It's not too late to, you know, get a better vaccine rollout going, get some more uh, acceptability around masks. I think the president pushing that and making that normalized is going to be really helpful And then, of course, I'm looking for the rhetoric to tone down with things like Black Lives Matter, things like immigrants. Um, You know, we need way more unity in this country, and it's not going to happen if we're painting all Black protesters as Antifa or violent people. So I'm really looking for Joe Biden to be a leader, frankly, because I don't think we've really had one for the last four years. What about you, Curtis? Um. I'm a big believer um, that politicians are public servants first Amen. Amen. and celebrities last. (laughs) Um, So like, you know, so getting back to this idea of people who are, are in power to serve first is, would be important to me things. And in doing that, the way you get there is you have better transparency um, you know, you, you use, um, you know, the government and science and all the different information that is at your disposal to make um, informed decisions and not just tweet out something dumb like, um, oh, it's, it's, it's warm this winter, therefore, um, you know, global warming must not be a real thing or something, you know, like, you know, it just, it just things that made no sense. Um, so, having that bit of restraint um, would have been, you know, it, you know, it would, it's going to be nice with Biden. Um, I don't want to see a tweet every two seconds. Um, I thought it was cool when Obama was the first kind of social media president mm-hmm. and then Trump ruined it for everyone. Like from here on out, like, sorry. Yeah. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, when Trump, you know, just started tweeting left and right about every little thing that he thought without any like regard to science or reason or even his own administration, um, you know, and, and their policies, um, it, it was disheartening. It was a, un, it was a, you know, message that was all over the place. And I think 
it, it would be nice to have some unity in government um, with their messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a, a really, really big thing for me moving forward. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, all the policies um, that are in place. I, I personally always um, been a big fan of Joe Biden. Um, um, even aside from policy, I think he's just a good person. Um, but moving forward, I'm very excited just about the, the presentation as the face of the United States. You know, we, for the past four years, we've been just the laughing stock of the world um, because of the way that Trump presents himself. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very excited to have a president where we don't have to worry about these just unhinged tweets at, you know, three in the morning because somebody said something the previous day that upset him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited that, and thus far he's, he's done it. And I hope he stays that way where when there are violent protests, he will denounce it on all sides. You know, when there are white supremacists marching through the streets and running people over with their cars and, you know, screaming white is right. He will not say there are very fine people on both sides he will say, no, this is a travesty and this needs to stop, like, in every sense of the of the word. And it, it's something that I've missed dearly over the past four years. And I'm, I'm just very excited to hopefully, like I said, we have to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of it. And that's one thing, too, is... I see a lot of these Facebook posts that say, see, are you happy? Like, this is what you got now. You better deal with it. And I'm like, yes, I will deal with it. <laughs> like I elected him, you know, we elected him. I'm not like my, I didn't have a Biden uh, flag or anything, but I'm like, I'm not going to keep up my Biden Harris flag. I'm not going to keep up all this campaign stuff because guess what? They're no longer campaigning. They are our public servants. Therefore it's time to hold them accountable. It's not time to worship them. It's not time to praise them. I will praise them if they do something right. And if they do something good, I'll be like, great, perfect. Good job. But you know, you mean you're not going to wave your, wave your flag, your Biden flag off the back of your pickup truck. No, no, I am not. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> you know, and it's not just Americans that are watching this. The world is really watching this, and a lot of them yeah. are excited. My, you know, my boyfriend and my best friend are both from the UK and, and Ireland, respectively, and we're all in a group chat together, and they're all watching Transfixed. Like, they are mm-hmm. all so excited for us right now because a lot of people, they still look to America, you know there's a lot of talk about how America's become a joke over the last four years and it's not entirely untrue, but a lot of people look to America for leadership. They look to us to kind of lead the rhetoric around the world. And so people in every country right now are watching this and there are a lot, a lot of them are excited for Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just our country that's invested in this. That was really important to remember. Interesting. I noticed you, you always note that, care about about like how the world perceives us because i think if we thought about that more we might be more on our best behavior (laughs) yeah you think that that was a big part of trump's whole thing and his supporters whole thing is they didn't care they they do not care what anyone in the world thinks we're america we do what we want you know they they don't care like that's the whole thing if we say what we want we're not politically correct this is what we do 
And so it, it wasn't even a thought. Like it was, there was just without a care in the world of what the world thought. It's so weird because you're either, we're either a leader in a powerhouse and quote unquote, the best country in the world, which comes with the fact that people are going to pay attention and we should mm-hmm. think, or we're not, you can't have it both ways. So yeah, like, of course we should care what people think because we tout ourselves as one of the world's most powerful countries, if not the most powerful country. And so you got to stand behind that with something other than I don't care. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Well, and it, you know, the Reverend um, Leo J. Donovan, the second that spoke at the um, inauguration a few minutes ago, like he said that we need the care for the common good. And like, mm-hmm. I have not felt, that's why I just, I, I decided that Trump was an extremist and that, and that people who supported Trump over everything else and through everything else um, may, may not actually be worth unifying with um, because at no point were they working for the common good. They were working for incredibly self-motivated, in some cases, selfish reasons. And yeah. this, this whole idea that that I think we've talked about it on the show, and I definitely want to talk about more in the future of, of this idea of that, that a lot of conservatives have that they are sort of like their opinion matters more than the majority simply because they were, they've give, been given either by a God-given right or they are just smarter or they are just a little better or whatever. Like th- they feel like even though they are in, in a minority, meaning less less than the majority of voters in um, across the country, um, that they they – are supposed to keep these guardrails and, and keep us in line, whether or not the majority of people want to progress forward. Like they keep pushing it, or excuse me, pulling us backwards. And it's, and I, I, I don't want to see that anymore. Like, like we mm-hmm. have to move together forward. That's the whole idea of being progressive is you always are trying to changing it better. And you have a lot of people on the right that are just constantly about, we know better, even though we don't have the votes, we should have won. And they really believe that. Like they, they really don't care that the majority of people are oppressed as long as they get their way. Mm-hmm. And that's not America. That's not democracy. Yeah. I do. I do want to point out though, cause we talk a lot about, you know, this selfishness that Trump just like spewed out and that a lot of his supporters spewed out and this idea that, you know, they're right no matter what and whatnot. But I, you know, Obama was president for eight years. And so there is part of me where I do like absolutely believe that a lot. And I, you know, obviously there are a lot of the people that are just pure hatred and just radical and, you know, off the hinges. But I do believe that there are a lot of people who felt as though they truly were not being heard and they truly were not being represented. And they, their interests within this country and their, um, liberty was not being preserved over the course of that eight years under President Obama. And so I think I think it is important to address that, you know, right now as we've been talking that, yes, there are definitely people out there on the right who are Trump supporters, who are Republicans, who are conservative, who, um, yes, they, they in some cases were not and in a lot of cases feel as though they were not properly represented over those eight years with President Obama. So I do agree that some of these people are hurt. And I get it. I, I understand it. 
Um, and unfortunately, they were they were led by somebody who I feel took advantage of that um, for his own selfish gain. Um, but I hope with somebody like Biden and with the diverse administration that they do have, that everyone will be taken into consideration so that something like this doesn't happen again. Yeah, but, you know, if you're one of those people who think that you know, you're unheard and that Trump spoke for you, like, welcome to the club. You know, mm-hmm. there are lots of of smaller parts or d- types of people in America that feel that way. You know, if you're a Native American, you're like, yes. well, yeah, you know, we're, I, you know, I don't have the number in front of me, but, you know, it's like 5% or something like that of the nation or something like that. You know, I mean, you know, and yet, we don't get heard, you know, we don't get our rights. We get trampled on all the time. Like, but, but other groups over history have used their voice to change people's minds, not oppress them for their own selfish, like reasons, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, like somebody said to me on Facebook recently that, that the sixth and the storming of the Capitol was a test of democracy. And I responded, democracy has been proven. It's not tested. Like I wasn't worried about democracy (laughs) on that day. Mm -hmm. I was worried that a small fraction of America was going to oppress and violently take over the vast majority of America that wants to move forward from all these Mm -hmm. different types of, of minorities. Because I, I think the true test of democracy was not that. I think the true test was, um, in many ways, the inauguration. That we could stand strong in the face of fascism, in the face of that oppression, in the face of the insurrection, that, guess what? Democracy still won. The inauguration and electing the person that got the most votes. And that that won, you know? Yes, indeed. That, that was threatened for a while, so... I will be weird. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, Curtis. I was gonna say, why would they think that storming the Capitol would change any of that? You know, that's that's it's it's that's why it feels like September 11th because here are these you know these people these radicals that did this terrible thing. They thought that they would stop America in its tracks, and really, it was just a hiccup. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was an, it was a terrible hiccup, and and so I mean, why if if you remember history, you know that that white house was burned down once <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. and it was rebuilt again you know you know about the civil war that ripped us apart and we came mm-hmm. back together again you know you know about all these things that were true challenges to democracy mm-hmm. war in the world. Even. exactly i mean even i mean even the founding of us you know, the, you yeah. know yeah i mean and so like you know it, it's it's really stupid if you think <laughs> that 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 you know Storming the Capitol was going to be the one thing that really pushed democracy to its limits, you know. I, and it's like, could you imagine if they stormed the Capitol and everyone's like, "Oh my God, you're absolutely right!" right? <laughs> like, I can't. All right. Thank God you stormed the Capitol and changed your mind and revealed the truth. Like, like no, that wasn't going to happen. Like it, and it's it, everyone. It, it's the argument I love when 
people, you know, you're going to take my guns, you're going to take them out, you know, from all of us armed Americans. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, yes, the Capitol was drastically and severely underprepared for what happened on the 6th. But if you in your right mind think that you and your farm buddies with this stockload of weapons in your shed can take on the United States government, like that spends ninety billion on its military every year. Like no, no. they got nukes. It's no yeah. match for your guns. Stop <laughs> like being stupid. Literally nothing. You <laughs> do. I mean, the um, best way forward is to keep the democracy of the people for the people. That's how you control it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if you are simply just going against it, that's pretty dumb. I mean, yeah. there's there's no match. Before we wrap up here, Kara, I know you've got to get going. Um, what, yeah, what moving forward, what needs to happen? What needs to be done? We need to see somebody leading us towards, you know, recovery from the pandemic. Um, this is going to have lasting as- impacts for years to come. Um, people are really scared, and we need to see someone lead us towards the next step and the next step. Americans don't need to flounder on their own to figure this out. We need the government to lead us towards, you know, a new normal. We need to see the minorities in our country feeling safer than they have the last four years. And we need to see opportunities for them. We need to see Vice President Harris um, bolster (laughs) and uplift women around the country. And we need to see our economy recover. And ultimately, I think we need to see the unity of America. I think that is with those things happening, that's how we're going to get there. Um, and I'm so excited to see a toned down rhetoric, hopefully no more fire coming out of the white house and just start getting some normal scandals again, like Joe Biden owns a Peloton bike. So (laughs) (laughs) That's still so funny. (laughs) It's just so good. Security concerns over a Peloton. (laughs) Curtis, what are your final thoughts? Um, I, I think we have to come to grips with the ugly side of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, we can't forget that they exist or that it's in all of us to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, we need to use that to unify, to try to come together, to be peaceful, to be empathetic but also not to forget how bad it can get when we let ourselves Mm -hmm. let that ugliness out. Um, Pretending like it doesn't exist. Like we often do is not going to help anything. Um, You know, um, white supremacists have always been there. You know, we just kind of gave them a megaphone, but, um, but they're they're never going away. There's always going to be somebody who, either on the surface or below the surface thinks things like that, Mm -hmm. that they think that they're better than everyone and that, and that their opinion matters more. And we have to constantly remind them, no, your opinion doesn't matter more than anyone else. And we are a very diverse country that needs to deal with our problems um, rather than point fingers at innocent bystanders um for you know and blame them for everything that's wrong with america um if you're pointing a finger you're what's wrong with america 
as as Biden has said on multiple occasions, these are not the red states. These are not the blue states. These are the United States. And I think now more than ever in recent time, we really need to hold that true. And then for those of you listening who did not go for Biden and maybe you're nervous about what will happen, um, you know, you're scared of what policies they put in place, you know, let's hold them accountable. Like we say, absolutely. Got in, we voted for him. Okay. Now let's hold him accountable. Make sure that, you know, he does what he says he will do. And uh, if not, then we'll elect somebody else in the next election. We'll see what happens. Um, but thank you for joining us uh, for this special episode of Social Discord Live from the Capitol. It's been a, a, a pretty interesting experience seeing what's uh, been going on down here at the uh, District of Columbia with everything being shut down the way it is and just everything high alert. But with that, things are calm, things are peaceful, and it's it's a good day in D.C. and I think it's a good day in America overall. Um, with that, uh, Kara Curtis, did you guys have anything you want to plug real quick? No, um, I, I think it's really cool that you made the trip out there, Daylin. You know, you can, you can tell your, if you ever have kids, you, you can tell your future kids that you were there and, I um, and, uh, I hope you stick around and check out, um, when everything reopens the next couple of days, uh, the, the different museums and stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they're always worth, mm-hmm. worth, um, a, a little bit of time if you have it. So uh, I, I highly recommend that. Yeah. Stay safe out there, Daylin, and keep us posted. And thanks for, I know you're going to be taking some amazing photos and be a part of history. So we thank you. Yeah, I'll do what I can. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. Check us out on the social medias. Uh, take a look at our website. Uh, we do have a episode 18 coming out here soon. It's going to be on private prisons in America. And it is a heavy hitter it's a it's a very good episode um about just a very controversial topic that i think a lot of people don't really know a lot of the ins and outs of because it is such a deep deep topic uh but with that we will uh talk with y'all next time for episode 18 bye everybody thank you for listening to social discord part of the podcast without borders network you can get a hold of us by sending us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com You can also check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Thanks for listening.